Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Anthony Vaughn is a business founder. He founded, for example, the organization E1B2 Collective, which helps startups operationalize employee experience. He is the podcast host for the Project 2030, a podcast that exchanges information designed to empower, teach, educate, and inspire our next generation of people leaders. He is also an advisor and a speaker. I'm thrilled to have him on our show today. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I am doing well. How's it going? I'm doing very well. Well, I took a stab at introducing you, but I think you could do a lot better. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're interacting with the market today? Yeah, I can. I'm going to try to keep this concise. Um, Started a couple of brands early in my career, one at 19, another at 21. Learned a lot about business, uh, made a lot of mistakes in the people operations, employee experience world. Um, Started studying behind the scenes. Uh, five years ago, made the decision to jump in and actually become a head of people for multiple startups, started advising, um, formulated this new perspective called Employees First, Business Second, started building out different methodologies and frameworks. Uh, COVID hit, as I'm sure all of us know, um, decided to not kind of remain patient and decided to actually start a business in this kind of downtime. And uh, that is the E1B2 Collective. And we are focusing on building out people operations at a very operational and thoughtful level by putting employees first at a very empathetic level for startups and small businesses. Uh, I also dabble in some speaking, some advising as well. And uh, I'm excited to change the world of work. Well, fantastic. And I just want to go back to the start of your story, because most people at the ages of 19 or 21 are not thinking about starting their own business. They're either, you know, in college or uh, already starting to work or you know, doing other types of things. So, you know, I'd love for you just to reflect for a moment, because I think there might be a couple of examples of bravery at work at, you know, for somebody at that age who is jumping into the work world. Can you tell us what your motivation was and you know, if there were some examples of bravery that you needed to demonstrate in order to do what you did? Yeah. Uh, the, the first uh, example of bravery, uh, I will say, was the decision to not go back to school. So uh, the reason why I came home is my dad passed away. I was a former football player, um, so I was really on a scholarship. So decided to step back. Dad passed away. Um, and so my moment of bravery was to realize that uh, I was starting to get – 
a little distracted. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, not a very friendly area from an aesthetic and, and environment point of view. I needed to keep myself clean from a uh, getting in trouble perspective. And um, I decided to start helping out kids and, and create a football academy. And then 20 months later, Under Armour partnership later, uh, I had a very big business on my hands from my perspective. And uh, I guess my moment of bravery without all of that was to just keep my dad's memory um, close to heart while also staying out of trouble slash, um, you know, really getting excited about leading a lot of people and making big decisions and, and, and being brave to, to, to continue that process because it was very scary at times. Well, my condolences on the loss of your father. And it sounds as though that event really was a catalyst to some degree, potentially for you to start kind of doing your own thing and shifting the energy you had in life from school and football to work and helping make the world a better place than it is today. I appreciate that. I really do. Is that accurate in respect to kind of where your focus went? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think um, it was a combination of all of that. I, I will say that. I think also what excited me was the fact that um, I, I wasn't your typical student. So, you know, traditional education was not something that was super exciting for me. So to kind of jump in immediately was always kind of the plan. Uh, but I never in a million years would have thought I, I, w- I would have gone on to build brands at such an early age. So, yeah, I would, I would agree. And this bravery that came from this decision to not go back to school. I mean, here you were. And, and what grade were you at? Were you in your first year at college, second year? Uh, my dad passed away at the beginning of my sophomore year. Yeah. Okay. So you were already somewhat fairly ingrained into the you know collegiate environment and you made a huge life decision to not go back. And it does sound like that took some bravery. Do you ever reflect back on that and say, gee, that was a great idea or gee, that was a bad idea? Uh, I think it was a great idea because, um, you know, I'm a bit older and wiser than I think your typical 30 year old. I think, uh, Starting out so young, leading people so young, making a lot of, I guess, big boy adult decisions so young, it, it kind of sped up that process of maturity. Uh, but I will be frank with you, Ed. I think traditional education and that that environment and that structure um, gives you connections, access, uh, traditional learnings that I think can help you um, in the everyday nine to five world if your entrepreneurial ventures don't work out. And so now being 30 taking another third crack in entrepreneurship once again, I do have moments where I ponder if my lack of traditional kind of structure and background um, puts me behind the, behind the eight ball in like the real world. That's a whole nother thing we don't have to really unpack, but it's a small insecurity that I have at times. Well, look in our uh, COVID world, right? College education now can be done from home. Yep. So who knows? Maybe you should think about uh, you know reengaging in a college environment and finishing your degree. I have, I have, I've dabbled a bit. Uh, so I, I do have my associates out. So I started chipping away, and then and then I have a lot of certifications, and and my network is really deep now, and my my skill set is very tangible now. So. I don't think I'll ever have a problem going back into the nine to five world like I actually was six months ago, but um, just it's a lot easier of a road when you have the traditional background still in 2020. It's That's very much true to this day still. Well, I, I hear that and I understand what you're saying. Uh, as somebody who did go to school, I think I reflect on it in very, very similar ways. So Anthony, when you think about bravery in the workplace, you know what words or phrases come to mind for you? Empathy and not being afraid to be wrong. 
So empathy is a big word. We could probably spend the whole podcast just talking about that. So what do you mean by empathy uh, as it relates to you know bravery in the workplace? Uh, I'll talk about from my point of view and what I think I know best. I think uh, more leaders need to be strategically empathetic to their employees and their partners. And I use that word strategic on purpose. I think empathy is very easy to execute from a understanding how someone's viewing a situation, living into their experiences. But I think it needs to be a little bit more strategically placed. And I think leaders need to really dive into that and figure out what that means for their employees to increase productivity and to also um, create an environment that is beneficial for them. Because what leaders need to understand is that the employees that they have are actually working very hard to get your selfish dreams off the ground. And there needs to be a level of, of happiness and gratitude that you have for that, that a lot of leaders do not tap into. Well, it sounds as though what you're suggesting is that empathy in some ways should be part of your organization's culture, right? That you uh, look for and inspire people to be more empathetic than they are on their own. I, I agree. And then I also think I think it should be operational, right? And so for an example would be, you know, whether you're working in a factory or whether you're working at some of the fastest growing tech companies that we know today, I think workflows are very consistent. And a lot of leaders due to their backgrounds have a certain selfish point of view of a workflow to execute a task. I think what empathy looks like in this particular example would be, uh, you know, appreciating someone's different view or perspective of how to execute a task and living into the possibility of them actually having a different viewpoint that can maybe execute that task more productively or faster. So I think it's very much around the culture and the good vibes, but I think it also can actually help the bottom line if you make it operational and audit the perspectives of your employees every step of the way and lean into like strategic empathy from that lens as well. So based on your experiences, Anthony, as you have navigated companies and organizations, why do you think it's so hard for leaders to be naturally empathetic? You know, it's ironic, I think, in many ways that empathy is such a personal behavior, and yet it's so hard for so many leaders. That's been my experience in working in organizations that empathy is more rare than it is actualized. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is hard for leaders to be empathetic or even more empathetic than they already are? Ego. The big E word. Yep. And if you notice, I kind of just let the let the mic drop on that. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy, is one of the greatest books that have ever been written for leaders, in my personal opinion, because uh, ego is definitely the enemy. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll let you maybe ask me another question, but the big ego word is uh, is definitely the answer. Well, uh, again, just like the word empathy, we could spend a whole podcast talking about something like ego. And, uh, you know, ego is uh, a, a mental function, I believe, that uh, makes it all about me, right? About mm -hmm. how I'm operating, uh, what's important to me, how I can get to the goal, how I make myself the focus of all attention, et cetera. And so your suggestion is, based on your experiences and readings, that ego uh, suppresses or fights against this behavior of empathy and making it almost always about others. Exactly. Exactly. Let, let go of the, of the tight hold you have on, again, whether it's workflow design, whether it's decisions that are made, whether it's ideas that are generated, whether it's figuring out ways to uh, make the company run and make the things go, uh, let go of that and lean into empathy, right? Lean into their perspectives. Your job as a leader, from my personal point of view, should just be around 
what do I need to do at a contextual level for every single person in this company to make this thing go around the way they see it being 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 executed, not my own selfish point of view of my last 20 years of my career and what I think is best and what's going to make me feel comfortable when I sleep at night and when I wake up the next day. You need to lean more into your people because nine times out of 10, there are all different types of ways to get things done, not just your own selfish point of view. Um, yeah, I'll keep it tight there. <laughs> I was going to go on, but I'll keep it tight there. <laughs> no, well, well said. So thank you. So empathy, right, is a key way to be braver in the workplace. Because I think for many leaders, it does require bravery to not make it about you and make it about others. Well, let's just go back and I'll just ask you, you know, other than empathy, are there any other words that you think of or uh, relate to, you know, showing greater bravery in the workplace? I think, again, going back to empathy is important. I think uh, letting go of ego is important. And then I think also, um, I think patience is another thing that uh, in a weird way actually ties to a lot of bravery. I think it's actually incredibly brave to 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 remain more, to be more patient, to live into patience when it comes to uh, employee development, when it comes to uh, skills, when it comes to trying to execute a task at a high level or build culture. I think uh, we're taught as leaders whether it's university, whether it's our parents, whatever the case is, to to be brave, to to always have the right answers, to to push aggressively to get things done, because that's I don't know for some reason that's the way we're kind of designed. I think patience is actually something that if you notice, kids tr- struggle with patience. You know, a teenager struggle with patience, and then as we get into adulthood and being leaders of organizations, I think it's one of the biggest vulnerabilities. And if you can actually have the bravery to be a little bit more patient and pause for a moment, uh, I think there's a lot of good there as well. Well, I think it's ironic because in our world, while we do not teach people how to show empathy, we do teach people how to be impatient. And it's mostly Mm -hmm. driven by technology and this need to go, 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 go. And for many business leaders, and I know many clients I have, they operate with high impatience because they're always afraid that the competition is going to jump ahead of them. And nobody cares more about them than them, you know, their business than them. And so they're always on the go to stay ahead of everybody else. And it creates impatience. And I agree with you that, you know, empathy requires some degree of patience, but patience itself is a valuable behavior for many, many leaders to ensure others feel that they're part of the success of your organization as well. And let me be on the record by saying patience also needs to be very strategic as well. Uh, Patience is one of those factors where um, there's only certain amounts of patience that you can deploy and then you need to inevitably make the decision because you are a leader. I think I think ego and patience and empathy all have to be very strategic and very particular from a dosage perspective. So you have to walk that fine line because you can be too patient. You can be too uh, empathetic. Uh, you can have too much ego. So I think there needs to be a nice balance. Yeah, I tell clients all the time, you can't always be empathetic, right? This isn't something that you always do. And you can't always be patient. If a client called you 20 minutes ago and said, hey, if I don't have something in an hour, we're going to close our account, you're not going to act with patience, right? You're no. going to need you're going to need to operate very quickly. You can always apologize for it later, which you should do. But uh, you know, there will be times where the nature of the environment or the nature of the situation requires you to not act with empathy or not act with patience, but you don't want that to be your reputation, right? You want to have a reputation for being very empathetic and very patient. Nobody's perfect. Every once in a while, there might be a, you know, a blop in the system, but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not how we like people to play. So when you think about your career, and again, you started at a you know fairly young age, do you have a story that you could tell about something that you've done that required bravery or maybe something that you did that didn't, you know, that you didn't show bravery that you now regret? I have a story that's yet to be yet to be unveiled that I'm willing to unveil here today. Fantastic. Um, Lay it on us. Bravery is coming up right now in the next the next 48 to 72 hours. Um, the E1 B2 Collective is a holding company. So right now there's three companies and inevitably there will be 50 at some point in my career. Um, I have partners within each one of these companies. Right now, I need to be brave and actually be very, uh, I, need, I need to apply a little bit more candor and a little bit more honesty and be a little bit more direct around what I'm looking for out of co-founders, what I'm looking for out of partners, what I'm looking for out of X, Y, and Z uh, in order to make these businesses go not only faster, but be built more strategically and uh, and more impactfully. Uh, I think... Um, it's 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 very nerve wracking to tell someone that you have a different perspective and you want to share it because there may be different points of views or different complexities. So I'm a little bit nervous for this these conversations because they're going to be very direct, but uh, I think they're needed. Well, look, uh, I think this might be the first occurrence on the history of this podcast that the story that somebody is sharing has yet to happen. Uh, everybody has shared a story that already happened and sometimes several years ago. So in this moment, you have conversations to hold. And I would tell you the best way to hold those conversations is to be transparent, is to set context for why it's important that you have this conversation, right? You just don't come in and hit people across the head with the proverbial two by four and say, you know, this isn't working out or this has to change or we're going in different directions, whatever it might be, but to share what your goal is, what your vision is, what you need, and then describe any gap that may exist between where you are and where they are. And can they help you close the gap? And if they can, fantastic, let's do it. If they can't or aren't interested, then what other steps might we take? But perpetuating something that's not working is a death sentence for everyone. Exactly. And this is one of those scenarios where um, I've, I've leaned into empathy and I've leaned into, I've leaned into patience a little too long. Now it's time to be very transparent about acknowledging that that was the mistake on my part. Now let's figure out where we are and what's, what can we do uh, to, to get better um, all around the board. Fantastic. Well, I don't know that it was a mistake per se. Uh, you know, strategically, it might have been something that you felt you needed to do with the goal of getting to where you want to be, and it didn't get you there. So now you have to pilot, uh, uh, pivot yourself, and say, "All right." So being patient and showing empathy didn't have the outcome that I hoped it would. So now I have to do something a little bit different. And so now I'm going to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more candid, a little bit more transparent about what I need to do in order to make great progress. So good luck, Anthony, on those conversations. I appreciate that. I'll I'll get through. (laughs) I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Well, this has been fantastic chatting with you today, Anthony. And if people want to reach out and talk a little bit more with you about your story or E1B2 Collective, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, E1B2Collective.com. Uh, is the website. You can also reach me uh, at anthonyvaughn2015 at gmail.com. I'll give you my personal email right now. That's the, always the best way to kind of cut through the noise. Um, and then the E1B2 podcast, uh, there's a lot of great content there that I think uh, a lot of people can appreciate. Uh, and that's about it. And Vaughn is spelled V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Exactly. 
Fantastic. Well, Anthony, thanks again for your time today. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, we are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. And in a small marketing plug, I have a chapter in that book about empathy, and I have a chapter in that book about pausing, which is a little bit like patience that Anthony and I were talking about. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.